Hey, hello, my name is John Cash. I am the CEO of UR Energy. I'm sitting here today in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, it's a beautiful day here, a great day to be a uranium miner. At UR Energy, we have two flagship properties. Uh, Lost Creek has been in production now for over nine years. We have got great production there. Where we've made a decision to ramp production back up, and that's coming along very well in Header House 2-4. Our next production area, Header House 2-5, is well under construction and we'll be bringing it online in the coming weeks. We've already produced nearly 3 million pounds at Lost Creek. Our second flagship property is called Shirley Basin. It is also in Wyoming and an in situ uh, project. It has all the permits in place for that. We are waiting to layer in additional sales contracts to justify bringing it online. So that's a bit of an update uh, as to where we are as a company. John, thank you very much for the introduction. Very nice to meet you. Um, my goodness, it's been a pretty action-packed year so far. Um, you've got uh, you've got a contract with the DOE to to sell uranium at sixty-four and a bit uh, dollars per pound. You've raised forty million dollars, and uh, I think in one of your news releases you talk about achieving commercial production or a commercial restart of um, Lost um, Lost Creek in May twenty twenty-three. So just can we just kind of talk about that commercial restart and kind of just go into a little bit more depth and where you are with that project, please? Yeah, right. And, and really what precipitated that decision is we've been able to sign up two really good long-term contracts that are profitable on an all-in basis. And so that was really the reason we said, hey, it's time to go back into production. We've got those really good base revenues locked in. They represent about 50% of our licensed and constructed capacity at Lost Creek. So we uh, reported to the public, we're going to go back into production to fill those contracts. So uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, we were able to bring Header House 2-4 online. That is the next production zone within Mine Unit 2. We have a total of 12 mine units uh, that we have identified at Lost Creek. So uh, Header House 2-4, the 2 stands for Mine Unit 2. The 4 stands for it is the fourth Header House or production area within that mine unit too. So it's up and running now. We've got very good flows. We're beginning to see some breakthrough uh, in the recovery rates there. We have a ways to go uh, on that startup, but so far things are looking uh, pretty good and we're excited about that. Or can I, can I just, oh, please. Just, just, just jumping in on that. So um, uh, just to repeat the, kind of the, 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 the bleeding obvious you know, for someone like me or for a new, for a new viewer, this is um, in situ uh, recovery of uranium. So you you have a a, a pump which you you put down um, fluids in one well and you draw it out of another well. And you, what you're trying to do is get the fluids to flow across the the geology and leach the uranium and then to come up in the in the recovery well. Um, can you just kind of give me a, an indication of the when you talk about a mine unit two? Uh, how much do you know about it? I mean, because you because you've mined produced three million pounds from this area before or from the from this from this mine before has production come from this mine unit or is it are you drawing on um experience learned from a different mine unit yeah so mine unit one which we've already produced from is adjacent to it it had 13 header houses in it and we've extracted the majority of the mineralization from that we do have some parent areas we can go back into and get some additional recovery there. And so we intend to go back to certain areas of mine unit one later on. So mine unit two is immediately adjacent to the west. 
And so we plan on having around 12 or 13 header houses, production areas within like two. It'll, each header house will have around 60 pattern areas in it uh, with production wells and injection wells. And as you stated, it, this is that you mine. So we can bring it into production relatively quickly uh, because we don't need to you know, build an open pit or dig adits. All we need to do is install wells. So we were able to bring it online very quickly. And just for my benefit, what is a header house? Yeah, a header house is nothing more than a small building that, that has two manifolds in it. One manifold serves the injection wells, and on the other side of the house, there is a manifold that serves the production wells. So all the production wells will come into that production manifold. All the injection wells will be served uh, by that injection manifold. It's really nothing more than a building that collects the water from the wells or distributes the water to the wells. And we use it as a metering point. So we measure the flow to each well and the pressure to each well. And um, thank you. And you used the term um, breakthrough. So um, um, when you kind of restarted in May, what's the distance between your injector well and your and your kind of um, recovery well? And, and when you talk about breakthrough, is it that you can kind of trace fluid starting off in the rock mass here and then you can pick it up in the rock mass later? Is that, is, is that what you mean by breakthrough? Yeah. And we use what's called a five-spot pattern, so it looks like the five on a die. Uh, on the on the corners of that square, that's a 100-foot square, uh, those are injection wells. And in the center, we have a production well. So the distance, the, the triangular distance from the injection well to the production well is around 73 feet. So when we start injecting chemicals on the corners, it takes a while for that to percolate through the ore body and get to the production well. And what will happen is when you start to see the chemistry come through, you'll see a slow uh, trend for a few days of that uranium coming through. And then as you overcome uh, the chemistry in the ground, the reduced chemistry with your oxidation, you'll begin to see that peak very quickly uh, after a few days of breakthrough. It'll peak very quickly and then begin to come down and then become asymptotic uh, with the axis of that curve. So we're at the early stages of that, and we're, we'll see how things develop over the coming weeks. And when you um, talk about your long-term plan to, or your plan to kind of um, start up an, another header house, header house five, um, sorry, have I got the, the header house three? That, sorry, what, what, what's the nomenclature? Header house two, five will be the next Okay, because so, it's in the mine unit area two, and it's the header house five. Got it. Um, um is that going to have a step change on your production? I mean, how many of your production patterns are you going to have around Header House 2, um, 4? Yeah, we'll have around 60 pattern areas there. And Header House 5 will also have around 60 pattern areas. Uh, that's pretty typical for how we manage things out of Lost Creek. Uh, that fits into the, the Header House very well, and it's a good geographic distribution. And where are you in terms of... Um, kind of laying out that 60 um, a well pattern for header house four? So they are 100% installed and online. Header house five, they're all installed. We're working on plumbing them into the header house right now. And in, within just a few weeks, we will turn those on as well. That will effectively, we believe, we hope, that that will effectively double the flow because they'll have uh, two new header houses online. So that'll effectively double production. And what will that give you in terms of kind of a stable production rate in terms of pounds of uranium on a 
on a quarterly or an annual basis? That's a good question for our geologists, but typically we're going to have anywhere from 120 to 180,000 pounds under each header house being addressed. And we're looking at 90% recovery from each of those. Uh, so at 90%, that's a great recovery rate, but that's what we've experienced uh, on average at Lost Creek over the past nine years. Uh, that's exceptional and uh, really setting the standard for the industry. Uh, we hope we can get back to those recovered levels again going forward. So but yeah, we like to see 120 to 180,000 pounds per header house. And um, when do you expect to kind of reach steady state on that? We, when when are investors going to say, oh, they've hit their run rate? Yeah. So it's going to take us uh, several months uh, to ramp up to the production rate we want. Uh, we could go faster, but we only need to produce 180,000 pounds this year to fill our contract. So we're not in a race right now to maximize production. We are simply trying to get that 180,000 pounds produced this calendar year to fill our contract book. By the end of this year, though, we would like to be at a rate where we can produce 600,000 pounds per year or a little more than that because our contract book jumps up to 600,000 pounds next year. Now, we're trying to layer in additional sales contracts as the price goes up. We want to layer those in in a rising market, so we're working on that. If we're successful... Will want to bring on additional production to fill those contracts because the six hundred thousand pounds of um, contracted production that you've that you've kind of um, or contracted production that you've con um, production that you've contracted out is only half of your total capacity. So you could go to on this facility, you could go to one point two million pounds per annum, and if you can get other contracts, you'll fill you'll expand to fill into that space. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, 1.2 million pound licensed and constructed capacity at Lost Creek, of which we've only contracted 600,000 pounds, so 50%. Uh, beyond that, we have Shirley Basin, which would be our next project, fully permitted, construction ready, and it's licensed at 1 million pounds per year from the mine. So from a mining perspective, uh, we can take operations up to 2.2 million pounds per year once we construct at Shirley Basin. Okay. I'm um, just going to stick with uh, Lost Creek for a second. I think in your pres in one of your presentations, um, I've seen that you 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 showed the historic production and the sh the historic costs, and I, they they varied uh, year by year between sixteen dollars a pound. I think was the lowest, and twenty four was the highest, or twenty three and change was the highest. Um, kind of around the twenty dollar per pound, um, um, kind of cost of production. Is that something that you expect to see going forward or has inflation come through? Are reagents more expensive? Is labor more expensive? Um, can you give any guidance on your kind of your cost profile going forwards? Yeah. Lost Creek is a very low cost producer. We've had great success there over the years and you're spot on. Uh, there is a range of, of costs that we've seen. What you'll also see though is the more we produce, the cheaper it gets because there are, are real economies of scale. And so our objective here is not to stay at low production. We want to increase that production rate because that, honestly, it maximizes our profits. Uh, so inflation is real. Uh, make no mistake, virtually everything is more expensive. Virtually everything is a little bit harder to get these days uh, because of supply chain problems. And so we are experiencing that. Are we going to get back down to a $16 a pound C1 cash cost? No. It's probably going to be 2 3 $4 a pound higher than that. Likewise, the all-in mine site, historically, we've been able to get down to nearly $33 a pound. Are we going to get back to that? No, it's probably going to be $36, $37, $38 a pound because of inflation. Uh, it is real, and we do feel the impact of that. 
but nonetheless, it's still going to, we believe it's going to be a very low cost producer. Uh, we actually put out an analysis of that in September of last year that's linked on our website. Uh, so if the viewers want to do a deep dive on the economics and the geology, the engineering, the technical, that report is available to the public. Thank you. Um, and of course, the, the, if, if you're producing uh, 1.2 million ounces, um, 1.2 million pounds per annum, um, that's the gold geologist in me coming out. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're producing 1.2 million pounds per annum, um, you know, your unit, your, the, the, the charge to your fixed cost is half of what it would be if you were producing at 600,000 pounds per annum. Exactly right. Yeah, good. Um, great. And um, when it comes to looking at Shirley, sorry, let's just just sticking with um, um, Lost Creek for a moment, just in terms of the 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 capex committed. I mean, it, it, because you've got the installed capacity, and because you've effectively got all the the um, uh, the plumbing already put in for Head of House um, two five. Does that mean that your capex commitment to Lost Creek is relatively small, if at all? Yeah, the, right now the capital expenditure is negligible. Uh, all of that is being expensed as operations going forward. The roads are already there. The power lines are there. We have to do a very short stub off the main power line, but we're talking about you know the cup two, three, four hundred feet off the main line into each header house. So that's negligible. Uh, so really, what we're looking at going forward is operational expenses. And because the capital's been spent, the plants there, the pipelines are there. All of that's been sunk already. Good. Let's move on to Shirley Basin. Um, uh, what are we looking at in terms of um, timelines and critical paths and capital? Yeah. So I love Shirley Basin. It's a great project. It has a lot going for it. 8.8 .8 million pounds, good grade, not the biggest project in the world. But the reason we made acquisition on it is because those are quality pounds, and we believe the uh, the cost of production is going to be actually slightly lower than at Lost Creek. Uh, shallow pounds, the roads are there, power lines are there. We have two nice buildings. There's a waste disposal cell that we can rely on. Uh, all the drilling is done um, as far as exploration and delineation. So we it's also it, it's another ISR project. Another ISR project. Uh, we have all the data we need uh, to go in and install patterns right now. All the patterns are planned. The locations of the header houses are planned. Permitting is done. And so we can move over there quickly. The The go decision will be predicated on contracting. So as we layer in more contracts and we reach the end of capacity at Lost Creek, that will be our decision point to go ahead and go over to Shirley Basin, build out there, and ramp up production. Uh, so as far as capital costs go there, we had been saying around $30 million to build out the plant and the first several header houses to ramp up to commercial production. Inflation is real. I'm going to hedge a little bit and say probably now more like $35 million uh, to build that out. Timing, uh, the facility itself, we're looking at just a satellite, uh, which is a small building. And so we can build it out very quickly, probably uh, within six to eight months. But then if you uh, throw in the time to ramp up, we're probably looking at 18 to 24 months to build out the plant and the mine and ramp it up to commercial production. And by commercial production, I mean at least several hundred thousand pounds a year uh, rate. So we can do it fairly quickly and we can do it at uh, pretty minimal cash cost. Uh, capital cost and, and cash cost. Yes, capital. Thank you. Um, so 
so yeah, from go to woe, from that kind of decision point, um, you're looking at kind of a, a couple of years to do everything, kind of um, build it out, source all the material, um, build a head of houses, get the plant, uh, the centralized plant built, all of the plumbing infrastructure in, plus those breakthrough injections. You've, you've, presumably you've done the test well, as you've done pilot tests already there, have you? Yeah, we've done hydrologic tests. We've also done bent-top tests on chemistry to make sure that your body is amenable to an alkaline leach, and we had very good recovery rates during the, that testing. Uh, Shirley Basin is well-known for its extremely high flow rates. It's a very porous fluvial sandstone, so we believe we're going to get exceptional flow rates there and good recovery. So those things have been tested. Good. And um, have you done kind of final uh, front-end engineering design i mean do, do you have to kind of go through the the detailed engineering once you make once you have that um kind of the contract decision or or um is is it already done so to a large degree we're going to utilize the engineering from lost creek because we've already engineered the uh, ion exchange portion and that's really all we're going to build at shirley basin is the ion exchange portion so we're going to rely heavily on the the uh, engineering that's already been done there but right now we are embarking on detailed engineering. Uh, we're especially interested in the uh, electricity, motor control centers, and transformers. That's going to be one of our priorities to specify those so we can make a decision of whether or not to go ahead and purchase them because those are very long lead items. We want to go ahead and get them uh, on the shelf, so to speak, so that when we do pull the trigger and decide to go into construction, we've got those ready to go and we can build out very quickly. And be responsive to the market. Uh, we don't want to get uh, behind the market where the market takes off and we can't bid into it, whether that be spot or long-term contracts, because we're waiting on parts. We don't want to get in that situation. So we're well aware of supply chain issues, and some of our engineering right now is really designed to get ahead of those issues. Uh, so we and um, how much is it? What's the capex of those? Of that, that electronic switching, the, um, the, 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 those elements that you were talking about. Yeah, I don't have a cost for you, but it's going to be in the large six figures um, to, to be able to do that, maybe getting into the, uh, the low millions. That's a significant component of the cost. Um, thank you. That's really clear. Um, that brings us basically to the market, because if you're con waiting on contracts, um, not um, you know, if, if, if that is the critical element in, in a go decision, um, how are you seeing the markets at the moment, notwithstanding perhaps a bit of summer slowdown already? Yeah, we are seeing a bit of a summer slowdown. Uh, I think that's going to be relatively short-lived because we're seeing that there's the, the potential to bring a lot more pressure onto the spot market uh, with some of the funds that have been set up to buy physical pounds. Uh, Zuri, uh, Kazakhstan also was looking at uh, funding a program to buy physical pounds. Uh, of course, Sprott, uh, which really is one of the bigger players in the space. So we believe that uh, as we go through summer, maybe coming into fall, we're going to see a lot more pressure on that spot market. Our sense of the thing of matters is, and what we're hearing from our internal analysis, is that uh, there are not a lot of pounds out there that are mobile. And so as we see more pressure on those and those are taken off the market, we expect to see the, the uh, spot price go up potentially fairly significantly before the end of the year. Now, we don't typically sell into the spot. Uh, so I want to make that clear. We typically sell um, pretty much exclusively into the long-term contracts. We have uh, discussions with utilities very regularly, uh, European and U.S. utilities, and there's a growing interest in buying secure pounds. 
I was going to ask about, about, about the, the the nature of your your natural audience is the U, the US. I would have thought that your natural audience is are the US utilities, but it's interesting that you're also speaking to the Europeans. And do you have any conversation with the Japanese? Uh, we uh, talk to people across the board. So yes, uh, it will talk to any ally, whether that's uh, an Asian uh, company or European or North American, uh, doesn't matter. Uh, but you are correct. Our natural audience would be more in the U.S., uh, but there are buyers uh, around the world that are interested in securing supply and in diversity. So I think those conversations that we're having globally uh, are becoming more interesting uh, as geopolitics kind of mandate that. Uh, Russian supply is in question. U.S. Congress may cut that off later this year. And I would say that the Kazakh production also is in question, not for technical reasons, but just for geopolitics in contracting. It looks like a large percentage of those pounds coming out of Kazakhstan are now headed to China or to Russia. And the supply that's available to uh, the Western world is declining. And of course, Kazakhstan, they are the biggest producer in the world. They generate about 46% of the world's yellow cake. So when that supply is absorbed by other countries, it uh, calls into question where the West is going to get their pounds. So I think utilities and other fuel buyers, that they're aware of that. And so we're having more uh, sincere discussions uh, from uh, potential buyers. Good. Well, um, I look forward to seeing that. I mean, it's one of those things I can't press you too much about um, because you've got confidentiality um, um, responsibilities. And in a sense, it would only come out when it comes out. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 that's just monitoring the market really isn't it just to see uh how frequently people talk about getting contract things um you know contracts signed and um utilities are active um, but apart from that there's not much that we can look at in terms of um preempting we've just got to basically take a view that it's going to happen yeah you know it is interesting there certainly is a bifurcated market right now uh, unfortunately that price is not published uh by ux or trade tech or others uh, they typically look at the global price, and but there is a bifurcated market. And if you're in a safe jurisdiction uh, with proven production, you are able to bring down contracts at a significantly higher price than what's published. And we've been the benefactor of that. I think we'll continue to be the benefactor of that, especially as things continue to heat up on the geopolitics and supply chain issues uh, for technical reasons, geopolitics, contracting reasons. Things are changing very rapidly. And I think as we move into fall, we're going to continue to see price escalation, not only on the spot, but on the long term, but also on Western production. And do you think that that bifurcation is kind of well represented by the difference between the spot, which is kind of around $56 a pound, and the, the deal that you've got with the DOE at 64 and a bit? Yeah, so... The, uh, the deal with the uh, Department of Energy, uh, we've already sold those pounds to them, so we got a great price, a little over $64 a pound. Uh, I can't talk too much about what our specific contracts are or who they're with, uh, but certainly getting into the upper 50s and into the 60s, uh, that's very obtainable right now and uh, I think is reflective of the bifurcated market. So we'll be putting out more on that. Uh, a little bit of that can be deciphered uh, from some of our press releases. We've already said that this calendar year that our revenue will be uh, around $17 million. Uh, going forward, the contract book for the next six years, uh, we're looking at about $205 million uh, for that 600,000 pounds per year. So you can start doing some math 
and uh, deciphering uh, what the price is. But we've got some great pricing, and uh, we think that's going to continue to rise going forward. Thank you. Um, now, uh, as an external observer, how do you um, feel that a company like your energy should be valued? I mean, of course, most CEOs will say that their their um, share is undervalued, and it's a fantastic buying opportunity. But on on what basis do you think that investors should kind of value these kinds of companies? Yeah, no, great question. Um, we like to keep our story very clean. Um, we're not encumbered by large reclamation liabilities. Uh, we're not encumbered by large royalties. Uh, we just have clean projects, a clean, well-run company. So I think I need to point that out because that does set us apart from a number of our peers who have large liabilities, who have technical, significant technical challenges. So we've got just a good, solid project there at Lost Creek, and we believe we're going to have a good, solid project at Shirley Basin. So that should be kept in mind, and there should be a premium put on UR Energy for those reasons, because it is a very clean uh, story. Uh, but when you go look at the numbers, a good way to value us is look at capacities that are built out. You need to give value for the permitting that's in place. You need to give value for the infrastructure that's already in place. Uh, that is real value versus a, a company that may have a resource in the ground, but they don't have their licenses. They don't have anything constructed. They may not even have a social license. And so value has got to be given there. And then you have to begin to recognize the value of production, the contracts going forward, the pounds in the ground. So all of those things need to play into the equation uh, when you're going to calculate a value. Again, I'll, I'll refer the uh, watchers to our September report. If you want to look at an NPV calculation for Lost Creek and for Shirley Basin, that's there. But the company is worth more than that because we have tremendous exploration potential and we also have the value of the licenses, the value of our expertise and team that's been assembled. So all of those things need to be looked at when uh, assessing the value of UR Energy. Thank you for the, 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 the take on how to look at the value of the company. Um, I guess then it comes down to taking a view whether you're kind of trading at a premium or a discount to NPV. Uh, and then one starts when one when production begins to stabilize out, then you can start to look at um, cash flow multiples and leverage to the uranium price. Um, good, I will look into that and uh, uh, kind of get my old analyst's hat back on. Um, John, thank you very much for the uh, the interview. I've really feel as if I've learned a lot about the company in a short space of time. Could you just uh, to kind of wrap up, talk me through the second half of the year, what you're looking to deliver and what the market should look out for and kind of key milestones or goals that you're looking to achieve? Yeah, some of our goals or maybe another way to look at it would be catalyst for the company is con number one, continuing to ramp up production from Metrohouse 2.4, 2.5, uh, going through the rest of this year. So watch for news on those as we ramp those up. Uh, also look for additional information on contracting. We would love to be able to continue to contract in as the price moves upward continue to layer in good, profitable contracts. And then also, I think the third thing to really be watching for is M&A activity. Uh, we've not been shy about saying that we are interested in making acquisition of quality projects. We want to be careful to keep our story clean. That's, we're well recognized for having a very clean, uh, technically strong story. And so we're going to be very disciplined on the M&A front. Uh, but nonetheless, we would like to grow the company larger for a variety of reasons. But one of those is the economies of scale that we talked about. 
in the next five years, we would love to be at a production rate of two to four million pounds per year. But that can only be done if you can acquire the right assets that are economic. So we're, we're looking hard at that, looking for opportunities, to, our opportunities to grow our production internally and externally. So those are really the catalysts uh, over the next six months. Uh, good. And thank you. Just a final question in terms of your kind of balance sheet. Um, you, you, you've got enough capacity to do the um, um, Shirley Basin uh, expansion. Um, when, when might Lost Creek be cash neutral or even cash flow positive? Yeah, so this year we, we won't be cash flow positive because we're trying to get up speed and get into production. But as we go into next year and we start filling those contracts, 600,000 pounds a year, uh, we believe we're going to be cash flow positive. But you're absolutely right. Uh, today we've got plenty of money to build out Shirley Basin. Uh, we've got a great strong cash position. Uh, last quarter really report uh, in April, we had $73 million in cash. Beyond that, We've got a quarter million pounds of inventory that we can convert into cash if and when we decide to. So from a cash position, we are very well positioned. Good. John, thank you very much. Look forward to the next one. All right. Thank you, Marlon.